biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Esports Pod. It's Rachel here in the studio today with Jacob on the phone. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, traveling again, but that seems to just be my life. I want to be back in studio more, but you were gone last week, and I now know. I'm gone this week. I know, so. that's because I was traveling. I was on vacation in L.A., which was you awesome. At, you were at Disneyland. I was, yes. Disney perks of working at ESPN Free Passes. Um, but we also have Emily calling in. Emily, how are you? I'm well. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pretty chill week in esports, I guess. We have Lunar New Year happening this week, so a lot of the League of Legends regions are taking a break. The LPL, LMS, and LCK are all off. And Stage 1 of Overwatch League just concluded with London Spitfire taking home the win, so there's a break right now in between. Uh, but last week was a pretty big week for esports, for women specifically. We had Scarlet winning IEM Pyeongchang, edging out SOS in the finals and winning $50,000. Uh, pretty cool. But what's even cooler is that she became the first ever woman to ever win a Premier StarCraft II championship. Uh, pretty big deal. So I guess this is a really general question and there is no wrong answer. But um, let's kick off with Emily. What does this victory mean for women in esports? Well, I mean, this has been like, so just for Scarlett herself, this has been about like six years and one break in there uh, where she kind of swapped to Dota 2 for a bit um, in the making. So she's been around for what seems like forever to me because esports like life cycles are a lot shorter sometimes. So like it seems like since I started following StarCraft, you know, she's been around. So um, and then she's also the only the second foreigner to win a major StarCraft II tournament in Korea, which is also pretty notable. So it's not even just that she's a woman, but she's also uh, not Korean. The first foreigner was Neeb uh, last year in the Kespa Cup. So um, it's a huge win, and it not so coincidentally happened on a very large stage. I'd actually say in terms of, like, her impressive wins as a StarCraft player, uh, more impressive to me recently was that she just beat Zest, both Zest and Innovation to take Group A in the 2018 GSL, um, which is, like, actually insane if you think of how good those players are. And then she beat, obviously, SOS. Um, so, I mean, it's just she's on an insane run right now in general. And I know uh, in her interview she was saying – you know, she's kind of using this as more of like a, she's using the uh, IEM Pyeongchang win as more of a springboard than a like, oh man, this is, this is the apex of my career, which I think is just like such a amazing attitude to have. And the Zest and Innovation wins are like actually insane. Like, right. it's, it's awesome. She's just, She's just playing really great StarCraft right now. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is the first time SOS has ever lost to a non-Korean player. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am Pyeongchang. You're right. It's set at the backdrop of the Olympics. So, wow, definitely a good place for her to be in right now. Like, not only is South Korea the birthplace of esports, it's also hosting one of the largest stages right now at the moment. So it's pretty great. Jacob, any comments? 
Yeah, I think winning on that stage in particular is is phenomenal, um, both for her and for esports, I think, in the sense that that was one of the events that you you have such a different audience in, uh, not only just like a South Korean audience, but also uh, the International Olympic Committee was there, and, and that's this is a victory that's really worth showing to them as, as something that's special and, and illustrating really what esports is. And so I think it was a great moment to have and very rare and, I guess, lucky to have the audience that it did in the crowd as well. So good moment for Scarlett, and I also just think that a good moment for esports in general. Right, and I love Scarlett's comment on Twitter after she won. She was like, it wouldn't be the Winter Olympics without a Canadian victory. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I'll, I'll just leave it off with this one particular anecdote that, I mean, I just find Scarlett's story so interesting. She grew up in a super progressive family, and they knew she was super smart from the get-go. She was playing Magic the Gathering at a young age instead of Go Fish, and there's this fun story where Scarlett was interested in Chinese chess at a young age, and while they were traveling in China with her parents, uh, her parents got her a travel set, and she could bring that around. And one day she was at a restaurant, and she challenged a waiter to a match of Chinese chess, and there was just this massive crowd gathered to watch this 11-year-old girl dominating this poor guy at the restaurant. <laughs> and in the end, they had to call over like the resident chess expert from the village to actually defeat her. And now today, she is taking home a StarCraft II major title, which is super cool. Um, but let's move on to something a little different. We have the announcement of StoryMob, an esports communications consultant agency. Uh, that was announced last week. Uh, Jacob, why don't you fill us in on what they do exactly? Yeah, so it was officially announced this morning. It was announced a little bit last week. Um, but this is uh, a PR firm. We we have a few of them in esports. This is a e-sport, I think the first esports specific PR firm in the sense that they don't do gaming as well. They just do esports, and it's ran by a couple of different women that are kind of a top of the industry. If you look at previous history and what they've done in their resumes. So it's uh, Nicola from Riot, who used to be the head of uh, communications for esports at Riot Games. So many of us know her. And then uh, Anna Roshandowitz, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. Right. Um, Who is the former head of communications at ESL, also involved in several other projects. And then... uh, why am I forgetting the, the last person? I've Kaylee Moore. Her before. Kaylee, Kaylee Moore, yeah. And um, she is the former head of communications at Bitcraft, which is a company that is investing in several things, but notably G2 Esports and Dojo Madness. So um, this is it. All of them wanted to start something together. Bitcraft is the funder of this project. Um, they got seed money from Bitcraft. And, yeah, their clients already include Team Liquid Fanatic, uh, Dojo Madness, and I want to say there were a couple more in there. But There's Red Bull in there, too. Off the top of my head. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely a pretty big deal, I think. You know, it's uh, it's weird sometimes working with communications people that don't quite understand esports, at least from my perspective, because I talk to a lot of communications people. And um, this, I think this is a right step for the industry, and I'm really happy for these three women, uh, particularly because I know two of them very well, so... Right, and I feel like it's really fitting with all these big investors, these sports owners jumping in. We'll see a giant jump in the number of consulting agencies that prop up in 2018. That's just my guess, anyway. Yeah, and, and this one's really unique in the sense that they do communications and PR. Um, right. You know, you, you do see a lot of 
consultants, but these are people that are actually experienced in what they're they're trying to pitch people to do. So, right, right. And we've worked very closely with Nicola over the past few years. So good for her for um, joining this new venture. Yeah, and and I worked with Anna. I've worked with Kaylee a little bit on some G two stuff, but um, mostly uh, Anna and Nicola at their time at ESL and Riot. Right. All right, well, we're going to go to break in a second, but if you have time, you can leave us a rating and a review in iTunes and let us know how we're doing. And you can t- also tweet us your thoughts at Rachel Youngu, at ESPN underscore esports, at Jacob N. Wolf, and at League of Emily. And if you can find us in the ESPN app, if you want, if you subscribe to esports in it, we can send you a ping whenever we have a new episode. Hey, everyone, we're back with the podcast. Still here with Jacob and Emily. Earlier last week, we got some interesting news about the Overwatch League, specifically Gaguri joining the Overwatch League and joining the Shanghai Dragons. Now, I feel like this has been the talk of the town for the past, I don't know, the past five or six days, and it's taken over the competitive Overwatch subreddit, and obviously we have some people very excited about it, such as T-Pain, and honestly, I'm very excited about it, too. Um, so overall, let's talk about our thoughts on the move first. Emily, why don't you go first? Um, so it's actually it's an interesting move from the Shanghai Dragons. I've, I have some weird opinions on the Shanghai Dragons, uh, mainly because of what is going on with Overwatch in China right now, where a lot of teams, um, because they uh, didn't really have some of these guys going into Overwatch League, um, they ended up uh, disbanding or moving to PUBG. Um, Miraculous Youngster was probably the most like well-known team, I guess, uh, internationally. And so the Shanghai Dragons have had, uh, obviously, a very rough <laughs> time in Overwatch League. You could see them improving throughout the split, but they were still uh, fairly outclassed by most teams. And so this move to pick up uh, Gagudi is, I think, a, a good one. Um, they have a couple of good DPS players, particularly Undead is really good, so... Bringing on a tank player like Giggity is um, is a very strong move for them that I think should improve the team overall, uh, provided that she can communicate with the rest of the team. Um, and if you don't know anything about her, like the the funny thing I think that happens with so many players that come up on like the ladder mm-hmm. is like one of the weird backhanded compliments you can get is that you're scripting. So like. It's something that everyone brings up about Abel in RNG in League of Legends, where they're like, Faker said he was scripting. And the same thing happened to Gagudi, where she was so good that she was accused of scripting. Um, so, yeah, she's, I mean, she's a good player. Uh, she's known as a Zarya player. Um, and I think she'll, her role on the team should fit in really well based on, like, what their, their few strong, their strongest players, I guess, that they had over the past split. Right. Um, I think for the past stage. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, I got you there. Uh, yeah, I I was super excited to hear about the move. I, I want to talk about communication really quickly because that that is one interesting point you brought up. Uh, why don't I switch it over to Jacob? Jacob, what, is, what are your thoughts on the co- uh, communication aspect of her? Jo- I mean, Gaguri is a Korean player joining an all Chinese team. So how do you think that they'll try to, I don't know, find a way for them to um, meet in the middle? If I'm not mistaken, it was reported that she's going to learn, try to learn Mandarin, which um, 
I don't know. That's confusing. I, I don't get how that's going to work. I'm really disappointed that this is the team that she ended up on rather than one of the all-Korean teams, particularly because I think she's a pretty solid player, and this team is just terrible. So um, it's going to suck to kind of continually see them get flamed and, and her be a part of that equation, even though it's not really her fault, but it's bad with or without her, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, I think that... Were they getting flamed, though? Yeah, no, because I think I that... Like... Oh, yeah, go ahead, Emily. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I feel like most people were just like, this team is really bad, but I didn't see anyone, like, flaming the players themselves. It was just kind of like, oh, it's sad that this team isn't good. Yeah, I, I think that people were more encouraging by the end of Stage 1. I think that in the beginning when they were on that just horrible loss streak that people were sort of skeptical about this team. But I think the Kaguri pickup, it, it basically, it can't get any worse for them. You know, like... Yeah, I agree with that. You're at the bottom of the standings. You know, like, you gotta you gotta make a move somehow, and it's better than, I guess, keeping the same roster and doing nothing at the end. I'm, my thing, my... Oh, yeah. Go on, go on, Jacob. I was just gonna say, I just would rather see her on a team that, that can, like, propel her to success, right? That she can actually make a winning contribution to and I don't think that's necessarily this team particularly with the communication issues and her having to learn another language and her teammates because they're adding other South Korean players as well so I would have much rather rather have seen her on a team in which she fits in the actual culture not just the the culture of being on the team but the actual culture and, and the same language and somewhere that truly I feel like can support her and really make her play style shine which is not this team right what do you think is stopping other all korean teams from signing her i think that the thing is is most of them are pretty good right like they already they don't really need to make a lot of changes if you saw the fire which is one of the teams that would make sense for her to be on because they're an all korean team like they're just getting rid of players you know they're not really working to add and she's had this deal from my understanding with shanghai dragon set up for quite a while it's kind of been a thing for about a month and then it finally like went through, which is what happened last week. So, um, you know, I, I really think it's that a lot, like the New York Excel fan, one and are the best two teams in the league. Seoul was not far behind and, uh, they don't really need to make those types of changes. And she was already kind of spoken for by the time that some of them did. So, yeah. Right. I, I mean, I wonder in a perfect world, what, what team would she fit on the most when we're talking about the three South Korean teams? I mean, I think I could see, even see her on something that's gladiators, right? Like, they're picking up Fisher, who I've been told is kind of difficult to work with, but the Bishu is, uh, like, they have Bishu and Tez as their manager, and, and both of them, Bishu is essentially, um, they have another South Korean player on there who he's essentially his translator. You know, like, it, it's just the language thing, I think, is so important, and I think it's just going to put another hurdle in her path success of having to speak to people that don't even really understand what she's saying. So, Right, right. Any thoughts on that? I don't think that makes it any easier on her. Right. Um, I'm looking at the team. Like, I'm looking across the across the teams to see who could use, like, a really strong tank player who has... And so if you're just looking at all all, the all-Korean teams, there isn't really... Like, the problem is that there isn't a really good spot because you have like Miro, right? Like, you're not yeah. Replace, yeah, you're like you're not going to replace some of these tank flex players on Excelsior, Spitfire, or Soul Dynasty. So then you'd have to go to a mixed roster, like a you'd have to go to a hybrid roster anyway. So 
Um, I mean, the the big thing that I'm looking out for is definitely communication issues, just because I've seen that happen in League of Legends so many times to the point where I do think at this point, uh, not uh, like NA teams somewhat this, more this year than past years, but like I know Chinese teams and LMS teams, if they're importing players, a lot of the times they will check to make sure that the player coming in is learning Mandarin, especially like I know an LMS team that wouldn't trial any Korean player if they didn't uh, either know some Mandarin or like have a huge commitment to learning it just because communication is like really important uh, just from like a very basic standpoint, not even a cultural shock, but like just communicating in game. Right, right. And I mean, speaking as someone who's... I want to be really clear too. Like, I'm very happy for her, right? I'm glad that she's getting to play in the Overwatch League. She deserves this, and it's not anything to do with gender. It has everything to do with skill. I think she's a good player, and I think that this opportunity was going to come to her sooner or later, uh, whether it be this season or next, or this stage or next. Um, I'm just a little bummed, I guess, it's on a team that's really terrible. Uh, that's not no, really going to make her No, I can tell you're very depressed by this, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no worries. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, that was one of my concerns, that She's going to be facing a lot of heavy scrutiny, but at the end of the day, it's up to her to perform. And, you know, there are other ways of standing out, even if you're on a bad team. Not to say the Shanghai Dragons will be bad during stage two because they're on the upswing right now. But I think that if she makes a case for herself, we'll see other teams trying to sign her. So there's that hope. Yeah. If that makes you feel better, Jacob. Leto was on Splash Lux and they were absolutely awful. And he ended up, you know, having, like, already he is looking to be one of, if not the best DPS player in the world. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, think I mean, it's a little, I think it's a little bit harder if you are a tank player, but there's still way, like, ways that you can really shine, especially on a bad team, as terrible as that sounds. I think now it, it actually just gives her the opportunity to, to network in those circles, too, which when she was on Orcas wasn't as easy because um, that was towards the end of Apex. That was when it wasn't on the up and up and there weren't a lot of these over, Overwatch League investors involved. So, like, I think her being in L.A., even if it's on the Dragons, being able to meet other owners and meet other players and build those relationships, I think that's a really good upside for her. And I think that is how we would see her transfer to another team if, say, she does leave Shanghai or they get rid of her. In the future, I think that, that that's probably one of the biggest benefits of her being in the Overwatch League at all is the fact that she is now around these people on a consistent basis. Yeah, for sure. And they all share the same practice. Like, they all share a, a hallway, except for the Valiant. They all share a hallway of practice rooms. I've been down the hallway, and it's kind of like there's practice rooms for every single team. So you bump into people um, when you're going into that facility. And so yeah, I think her being, and, and the Dragons have networked a lot, too. They, they just invited a bunch of people to a party, so... Um. Yeah. Like I, I think that that her being able to network with other people is a big deal too. Yeah, that's actually huge, especially given what is happening in Korea right now with contenders still being like weirdly up in the air. Obviously, it's happening. They just have. Uh, I saw like MVP was playing the other night, but um, with so many teams kind of pulling back a bit in. South Korea, I think it is, that's a really good point that it's going to serve her really well just to be in, 
in the Overwatch League and in a place where she can possibly talk to other teams uh, if she uh, provided that she plays really well for Shanghai. Yeah, I hope. I I mean, Emily, are you going to be visiting the Overwatch League anytime soon for Stage 2? Yeah, I will. Oh, nice. I, I feel like this is a story that we should follow. Yeah, I'll, I'll follow her around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I do want to try to interview her at some point just because it'd, it'd be really cool to get her perspective on a lot of things. And I would want to know how the if she is having any communication problems with the team. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it just I feel like we always go back to the exodus that took place in League of Legends, but we know how that worked out. Not very well, so, but... Well, and, like, if you if you look at the Koreans now, a lot of the ones who have been on successful teams or have had success in in China, it is the players that really... Like, Doinby has a huge Chinese fan base. His Mandarin is fluent. Rookies, like, people joke that pe- rookies speak better Mandarin than they do. Um, so, yeah, you look at some of the players that kind of made their home over there, and they've really... Uh, They've really committed to learning the language and fitting in with the culture. So Yeah. And that's not to say, I mean, as someone who speaks Chinese and learned Chinese from a young age, like, if you put in the due diligence, you can learn the language. It's not, I know it's very daunting because it uses, like, a really complex character system, but just if if Gaguri puts in the effort to learn the language, I, ha- I have full belief that she will be able to succeed on this team. Um that's all. I'm just like, I really hope she succeeds because I feel like this this is such a pivotal moment for her in the Overwatch League. There's been so much anticipation and hype and so many people talking about whether or not she belongs in the Overwatch League or deserves to qualify for it. And she's finally here. So I feel like everything has built up to this moment. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, we have some extra time, so let's go over some Overwatch League roster shuffles really quick. Stage one is over, so we're seeing teams make moves. Uh, Jacob, are the Spitfire going to get rid of their entire roster at this rate? I mean, like, what's happening here? Yeah, I mean, these are players I don't use, really. Um, I've heard a lot about Fisher kind of being a pain in the butt to work with, and he hasn't played much at all this season. I think he played, like, maybe two games during the regular season and, and like, one or both series during the preseason. But, like, yeah, everything I've heard, he was a pain in the butt to deal with, so uh, offloading him doesn't surprise me. Rascal just wasn't playing as much because uh, Bird Ring and Rascal used to be a great duo, but there's Bird Ring and Profit, and that's a much better duo. Right. Um, so I think I think that London just has, like, an abundance, unsurprisingly, an abundance of really, really good players, and they found what they like, which is the team that won the season or the stage one finals and so they found what they like and now they have extra players to get rid of and that's what happened here with fisher and with rascal so i'm not that surprised by these moves right and are these roster shuffles we're gonna see happen in between each stage is that something you predict for the future yeah they haven't confirmed that's the case but i believe that will be the case yes is that there will be a there will be an ad period for ah gotcha Interesting. I, I I mean, we, we've talked about this so often, Jacob, but whenever a roster shuffle season comes along for League of Legends, you know, you're just wiped out because you're getting like four or five of these stories each and every day. And now you're going to be doing it for every stage of Overwatch League. Yeah, I don't think it will be in the same bulk because uh, I, I think we'll probably say like maybe eight roster moves for the entire 
uh, Switch, uh, maybe like nine, if we're including the Gagari ones that are already out there from last week, because uh, I think that was four players. Um, but yeah, so I'm not, I'm not that that surprised. Uh, the the AKM edition was also confirmed today, so um, and that was already reported a couple weeks ago, and everybody kind of knew that was happening. So Envy are adding, or I guess Fuel are adding two players, so Rascal and, and AKM at least. So uh, yeah, I mean. It, I don't think it will be in the same bowl because League of Legends. League of Legends is kind of overwhelming. Uh, Jacob, can you comment on So What for a second? Yeah, so I've heard kind of mixed things about So What. We we obviously saw Hashtro dispute that that report with uh, Slasher over Twitter. Um, I did not get it confirmed to the level of, of publishing it or, I guess, tweeting it like Slasher did. Um, so I, I can't comment on specifics, but this morning I was told it may not happen. So I don't know if it's completely mixed or if it's still up in the air, but uh, there was definitely interest there at one point. I just don't know if that's going through. It would be absolutely crazy if his contract was nixed because of the Twitter banter. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened before, but I don't know. I just felt I've, I've inserted myself into that interaction. I just felt that the way Hasbro had approached that was very aggressive towards Rod, even if he's incorrect. Right. I, I'm not really sure what you're talking about, but I'll take a look on Twitter later and find out. Um, but we're all out of time for the podcast today. Thank you, Jacob and Emily, for joining me. For more esports content, you can check out ESPN.com slash esports, or you can follow us on Twitter at Rachel Youngu, at Jacob and Wolf, and at League of Emily. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.